Well, good morning, folks. Nice to be with you. My name is Craig. <laughs> yes, you got it right, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Um, and it is very good to be with you. Thank you, Athena, for uh, praying for us and really walking through Colossians in a beautiful way, uh, our prayer. Because over the last four weeks, we have been thinking about Paul's letter to the Colossians and, uh, and really his invitation to live life differently than from the culture around us. Um, Colossians proclaims that Jesus Christ and no one else, nothing else, is the source of our, our, our hope, our, our truth, the source of our purpose. In, in Jesus, all this is found. And it's kind of this subversive book, right? Because it says, you know, you might be tempted to think that Caesar is the source of your hope, or our Caesars that claim to be our salvation. You know, if you just do this, right? But no, Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who is to capture our imaginations, right? So, um, so Paul says that, uh, you know, gives us a fresh hope, a bold truth, a new love, and a brave mandate. That's sort of the call. So that's what we've been thinking about over this last four, these last four weeks. Now, last week, we took, um, sort of against this backdrop, we took a pause a bit and thought about, well, we had our Forest View 360, and we asked four big questions. Let's just move on there. Let's, there we go. So why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? And how do we proceed as a church okay, and as individuals? Right? And we landed on this one big affirmation. So why do we exist? We exist to be a community where people meet Jesus and become more like him. Not like our culture. Not like all those false hopes trying to shift, shape us into uh, so their image, but we want to be fashioned after the image of Christ. Right? So there's been a lot that's been happening over these last four weeks, a lot. And we kind of thought it was important enough for us, not only as individuals, but as a church, to kind of sit on Colossians, sit on some of the answers to these four questions. And so we've asked a panel to come up and uh, and share some of, the, some of their thoughts and reflections on this, on this past little time. So I'm going to invite Doug to come up, Paul Miller, Elizabeth Miller, and John Francis to come up. And they're going to serve as our, our panel, but not just them. You folks are also going to serve as our panel. So we're going to try to, to keep um, some time and space available for you as well. I can take this off your chair. <laughs> some time and space for you as well at the end to offer your comments, your questions, your ruminations over this past four weeks. Does that make sense? Got where we're at? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Th thank you. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. <laughs> that's, that's nice. <laughs> all right, so stay tuned. Don't be falling asleep on me or anything else, all right? Because the, the mic will be turning over to you folks at the end. And uh, we really do want to hear your thoughts as well. So let me, let me ask um, uh, 
Doug, why don't you kick us off a little bit? Give us some of your thoughts about this past month, whether it be about Colossians, whether it be about Force View 360, whether it be about both of these ones. Where have you been kind of, where's your heart been sitting? Well, I've been um, thinking about the centrality of Jesus. Hmm. And so you've already mentioned that. Hmm. And Athena just prayed about that. Hmm. And it's like when you read through Colossians, you just see over and over again yeah. how Christ is at the center of everything. Hmm. And so when I think of the mystery of, uh, it's, the mystery is, is not that we don't know anything hmm. or that we don't believe anything. The mystery is how central Jesus is yeah. and how powerful he is hmm. and the wonder of what he's done for us. Yeah. And so I'm thinking uh, um, about how in, in here, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. Mm. And when I think about God, I think of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there are some churches that are like Father, God. That's all you hear about at those churches. And there are other churches that are Holy Spirit churches. So all you really hear about is the Holy Spirit. But here, we celebrate Jesus every mm. week when we, when we take this. Our, these songs, you hear the songs about Jesus... Why the centrality of Jesus? Because you read, you read Colossians, and it's Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is yeah. God in the flesh who came here, who really lived here, and it's the absolute truth. Yeah. And so that's what I've been <laughs> thinking about and deeply impressed with. And not that we ignore God the Father or the Holy Spirit, but uh, God the Father has planned all mm. of this, along with the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shines a light on Jesus, always wants us to draw attention to Jesus. Hmm. And so this is who we are. So I love this part yeah. of the force of the FE360, that we're a community um, who, who, is it still up there? A community where Jesus... I, I can tell you where exactly we, Where we meet I Jesus. You see, I don't have it right yeah, exactly. down. Uh, it's, it's somebody memorable. help me out here. It's what pretty memorable. It? It's on one of these cards here, I know. Oh, yeah. There yeah. it is. Where me people meet Jesus. This is wonderful, right? For people to come here and to meet Jesus, and then all of us to be formed more like him. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I've been thinking about, Craig. That's so good. That's lovely. Now, John, you've, you've been doing lots of thinking about sort of some of the, sort of the centrality the of Jesus and, and the sun. Take us to some of your... Yeah, for me, the last month, mm -hmm. it's been a month thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, I could sum up just with two things, that it's how to be truly human hmm. and how to have true community. Hmm. So there's two verses, All right. uh, Colossians 1.15 and 3.15. So in Colossians 1.15, right, God, or Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn yeah. of all creation. And... He is the image. Huh. Image can mean uh, icon, yeah. right? It can be form. He is the appearance, those things. And we are like in the image. Hmm. So as Christ is the image, it's, it's in his humanity, he's like the firstborn true human. I would say. And so kind of our... And the well, miracle we're, we're is... we're designed to be. Yeah, kind of like we're, 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 we're designed to be. And so, and what he's done in us and us in Christ, it gives us the possibility also to be truly human, to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's the fresh hope I see. Yeah. 
And kind of the mandate, too, in that and sense, the mandate, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, because in Second Peter, we participate in the divine nature. Lovely. So, Jesus was divine by nature. We, by grace, participate in divine nature. So, what Jesus was by nature, we are by grace. Ah, love so that. So, we can be just love like that. him. Did you catch that? You're hearing fine? Good, good. What so, Jesus our mandate was, is to yeah. image God in the world. Um, and then on, in 3.5, right, which, uh, what's that verse? Just a second here. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, and desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And in your uh, translation, you said greed. It said greed. So greed, covetousness. Yeah. And I loved how you summarized that up. It's quite profound to say, enough. And it reminds me, if I can go into this, of the ladder of John Climacus. Okay, who is? So, I don't know. Okay. Google it. <laughs> John Climacus, uh, I think he's maybe Eastern Orthodox guy. Okay. I'm not sure, I forget. Maybe from the 400s. I don't All right, know. so we didn't know him. <laughs> maybe from he's the 700s. A little before our time. That's good to know, John. So there, there's this, he, uh, it's actually a long book, but um, in Defeating Sin, Defeating Sins, like he's talking about a ladder that we defeat the smaller sins. And then on the last rung, not the second last rung of the ladder, we defeat uh, the love of money. Hmm. Hmm. And the last rung is not defeating a sin, but to have non-possessiveness. Wow. So that's like mm. enough mm. Uh, mm. to have non-possessiveness. Huh. So like in Philippians 2, yeah. 5, 7, yeah. Jesus didn't consider equality something to be grasped. Right? Right. It's, a, it's a letting go, and that's the nature of God is to mm. give self. So uh, our calling is, to, like, and that would, that's part of, that would probably destroy community if we're all grasping. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And you see how they tie together really well. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a letting go of self and, uh, and in letting God's love uh, be incarnate in the world hmm. through us, reflecting God's love. Love that. Love that. Paul, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to build on the, the notion of community, John, that you, that you just raised. Um, I love the idea, and we, we highlighted this through the series, and off that, that this letter was a letter written to a community of people, written to a church. And I and maybe you often read the letters of Paul or anything from Scripture and believe it as you know, a personal letter to myself. And not that that's terrible, but I love the idea that this was a letter written to a community. Mm -hmm. And when we think about, you listed the vices of chapter 3, but if you think about the virtues of chapter 3, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness, any of these virtues are meaningless on their own. If you don't have a community to practice these in, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're pointless. Nice. Yeah. Um, and also... You need a community to form these in yourself. You need a community to tell you you're not being patient, you're not being <laughs> compassionate, you're not being gracious to one another. I, I do have my wife helping with that. But. Yeah, the community of your family. And <laughs> okay, but even a larger community. Because yeah. <laughs> sometimes she is just dazzled by me. <laughs> Why is she shaking her head? <laughs> um, but the... Um, 
and so and so part of that is that community then needs to be a safe place to mm. fail in these areas, and so that um, so that we can be told that you've failed and that you can do better. Yeah. And so I love this idea of the letters written to a community. Can I carry on? Yeah. There's Go another ahead. piece Why that um, that John. You'll get your turn. <laughs> this isn't it's like, getting ugly up This isn't like me to carry on. I apologize for that. <laughs> um, but uh, John was alluding to something else that I wanted to touch on, but I can't actually remember exactly what it was. But I think it was about the gods. And one of the gods, we named a bunch of sort of the gods of our culture. And I don't think we named the god of power, but uh, yeah. we may have referenced it in some way. I was listening to a podcast by Ruth Haley Barton, um, uh, which was a, a, a Lent-related podcast. And she was talking about um, people in positions of power and how we are to be called to use that power in service to others. Uh, she's quoting a guy uh, um, from the 20th century, um, Thomas Keating, who says, the spiritual journey is not a career or success story. It's a series of humiliations of the false self, which become more and more profound. And then she said, I don't like that. I don't like that idea. Elizabeth and I have this friend, Shailene. Shailene's a young woman um, who lived in North Africa. Um, she wasn't able to tell us where she lived. We believe it was Somalia. Uh, definitely a, a, an unsafe place. Uh, she was there as a missionary to a Muslim community. Um, and she, she was there for a year doing ministry. She has since returned home, which for her is Edmonton. Uh, she's now married and she's ministering to that same community of people living intentionally in a neighborhood where that's a highly Somalian community. In her recent newsletter, she was talking about, um, because her and, is it Taylor, right? Ta Logan. Logan. Her and Taylor were, her and Logan were just married. And, and the community, the community who she was ministering to were so generous towards her, wanted to be part of the celebration and serve her in that way. And her reflection was that she needed to relinquish the power and control of serving this community and allow them to serve her. And so even in our, as we relinquish power to serve, I think she reminds us that part of that is um, allowing others to serve us as mm. part of relinquishing power in relationships. Mm. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Elizabeth. Okay, so what I was thinking about um, was the centrality of Jesus, but how that is sort of scandalous. It's one thing mm. to believe about God or to have, you know, a list of creeds that you believe when it comes to religious things, but there's something about Jesus that makes us a little, um, a little more on our seats or something. It's like there's something scandalous about him, especially mm. when it's like all of Colossians is about, oh, so because of him, this has to affect everything. So on one hand, that's really freeing. It's like there's not a list of rules or regulations. So on one hand, it's sort of freeing. On the other hand, it's this huge, it's this huge responsibility because it means everything. So it's not just like this is what you need to believe. It's like if you believe this, then your whole life is going to change right down to how you live in community, how you do family, how you spend your money, everything. Um, so then it comes right down to the little things. And so I think... Um, uh, I mean, we're, we'll be talking about Lent later, but yeah. I think there's something about... Actually, you can transition into it now if you want to. You're welcome to. Is that... Because I don't know if you knew it, but this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, mm -hmm. and uh, a time where we 
consciously in the church calendar is kind of stop, prepare for the journey, in a sense, walking with Christ towards the cross and a time of preparation for that. So uh, we thought it might be an interesting time in light of FB 360, in light of Colossians, now to start this journey of Lent together. So why don't you... Okay, so and and yeah. we can jump back if we no 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 if I'm, no, no. If I'm too too ahead, but but sometimes I think we think the spiritual life is all about these really big things. Um, I mean, we can, I mean, we 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 hear it at people's baptisms, right? People are like, oh, I don't really have a great testimony, or I don't really have, but it's like, but it's it's a lot about these little things, mm. and um, I've been thinking about Saint Teresa of Lisieux from from the 1800s. She's all about the the little way and the little things. And I think when it comes to Lent, um, it, it, it's what if we thought about picking up those little practices? And so she's, she's got a great story about, um, um, she, she says, God doesn't call us to extravagant acts, but he calls us to love, love in the littlest things. So she talks about um, listening patiently to a sister's boring story. She talks about um, not getting irritated when somebody splashes dirty dishwater on her. Um, she, she talks about giving a kindly word to somebody who annoys her. I think, oh, these are just little things. But those little things are actually how we, how we become the people that God wants us to be. And, and, and you had that great line about um, uh, Jesus living in us. And, and that's, that's such a beautiful picture, like thinking about our particular personality. What would it be like if Jesus lived inside us? And, and, and that's going to look different for all of us, but it's like the very best version of ourselves. That's, you know, that's the picture. Love it. Thank you. Any other thoughts about Lent? And our time's going quickly because we want to give you folks a chance to jump in as well. But uh, any thoughts about how Lent uh, could help us in uh, sort of becoming a people, a Colossians people or a, a people, a sort of an FV360 people? Uh, any, any thoughts about that? I'll, anyone want to jump in? Well, I'll, I'll say something sure, first. Yeah. I didn't grow up with the idea of Lent at all. We didn't mm. have, I didn't know what Lent was. I had no idea. And so it seemed to be a Catholic thing, and so we didn't do it. So, <laughs> and then learning later is what, what about the idea of taking 40 days before Easter to prepare our hearts and to really to change some patterns and habits in mm. our lives that sort of focus on Jesus more? <laughs> and prepare our hearts not just for Easter, but really prepare our lives. Oops. Um, prepare our lives for following Christ better. And so I love the idea of, of this season, of being very deliberate and intentional mm. about preparing our hearts, of focusing on the Lord and, and getting ready. So Ruth and I were talking on the way down this morning about some practices that we might have over these next 40 days that might be helping us in that direction. Oh. John, go ahead. <laughs> Do you want to? He's so pushy <laughs> that way, you know? So uh, in, in one of the messages we were talking about uh, of false gods, yeah. love, uh, no, no, love of money, yeah. and uh, what were they? Sex, uh, power. Anger. Consumerism. Consumerism. Happiness uh, individualism, is just, individualism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and uh, so I thought, well, we could sum that all up into one word, is as, as ourself as our false god. Mm. And um, we have, by the circumcision done by Christ, right, done for us, we have some transformation in us, in our innermost being, which has made us a new creation. Mm. And, but, so the analogy is, like, we had been uh, like an elephant chained to a pole. Oh, I love this. I love this. Go yeah. ahead, John. Yeah. And so we're just walking around this pole all our lives. And then because of Christ, that chain is gone. But we just keep walking around the pole. Isn't that nice? So, Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but also we're given the command, it's in the active voice, to put off, right? We put off outward things. Some transformation done for us, but it's still left to us. So stop walking in circles. Just start going off and mm. being a being a free elephant, <laughs> and be the elephant yeah. that you're meant to be. Right. You're, not, you're not chained to this pole. <laughs> Oprah, here we come. <laughs> like, is that the elephant in the room, or the one? That... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. So, John, um, this was interesting because somebody asked the question. Am I to be more like Christ, or am I to be more like me, the way God made me to be? Huh. Yeah. And Christ in us, I think, well, is exactly Christ. that. It's, it's both. It's how would the character of Jesus look in me, in my body, in my life circumstance, in my relationship with Ruth? How would, you know, how would Christ's character look in me? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's somehow an it's, it's easier in some ways to sort of imagine that. Um, and on the other hand, it's way more difficult to, yeah. to actually do. But it does give us a picture of it. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's when the need for community comes in again, that yeah. um, we need each other to figure out how to do that. And also for encouragement and maybe for rebuke sometimes. But it's like that whole thing about community always, always yeah. pops up. Yeah. Yeah, the, po- the pole is just so, the chain in the pole is so, so much a part of our memory, right? Mm-hmm. And have captured our imagination for so long. It really does take some deliberate steps mm-hmm. to realize that we're not chained. Yeah. You know, that the, that the reality of what Christ has done at the cross actually can impact us now. And the, the invitation, like for Lent, would be, you know, sit with God, hmm. ask Him to show you what that pole is, yeah, huh. and ask Him to reveal to you, yes, the chain is gone, and then right. take steps to live out hmm. without that chain. That's great. John, in some of the emails back and forth prior to, um, we did talk to each other beforehand through email, and you, you mm. mentioned that in Colossians, there is um, some instruction to put off ascetic practices, oh. uh, but your argument was that those were, um, you know, th- that, uh, that the Colossians were living under rules of um, dualism or... Uh, uh, well, in the context of Gnosticism, Gnosticism right? which yeah. has yeah. a bad view of the body. The body is evil. Right. So right. it was probably right. a different sort of asceticism. Right, right. So, so Lent, we encourage this, yeah. this bit of you know, taking Austerity. on... Yeah. yeah. What's the word? Sort of? Austerity, Austerity sort of stuff, yes, you know, yes. like it's saying no to things. Ascetic practices, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, right. So, so borrowing from um, this podcast I listened to last week, uh, 
Haley Barton was quoting, um, uh, what's his name? Thomas uh, Keating. Well, no, another guy. <laughs> the guy we all know, Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen saying that we need to form our own deserts and mm -hmm. that um, the, it's in the desert place that we are, that God will shape us and transform us. And so by uh, taking up these practices, these ascetic practices, we are in a sense forming our own desert. And these, um, these can just be simple things because we're never going to identify completely with the suffering of Christ. That's, that's not possible. So one of the things I've become aware of recently is my morning routine or that I attempt to, to keep is, is you know, a quiet time, a reflection time, either through a book and scripture reading or through this online uh, computer thing called, you know, this thing called sacred space that I you know, pull up online. And what I recognize at the very end, almost if I close in prayer, almost as I'm saying amen, my fingers are going to sports.ca. Like I'm pulling up <laughs> this website because I want to read Michael Grange and what he has to say about the Raptors and, and the game the night before. And so it's a simple thing for me to say. It may not be that simple, actually. But mm. for me to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. During the act of Lent, mm -hmm. I'm going to stick to the, to the, to the book and and the Bible, and not do my devotions online, because it's so easy for me to just drift into this other thing, even mm -hmm. before I'm done. Like, mm -hmm. my heart, it's like, like <clears throat> Sportsnet is pulling at my heart, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. before I'm finished. Your imaginations, God, right? My imaginations, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it's, it's just a reality that, that culture is trying to pull us away from God, and not that it's terrible for me to read about the sports news or whatever, right? But if it's pulling at me away from God, there's something there that I need to let go of. We are running short of time. This goes quickly. Uh, but some really nice metaphors and things for us to unpack, even as a congregation. And what I'm going to do is get you folks, if you don't mind, to t be, the, be the sort of wandering mic people. Uh, we'll have four, we have four aisles, four people. And feel free to even jump from there. Uh, and, and comment on different people. But we want to hear from you folks. I, I've loved this notion of you know, the, the pole that we unwittingly just walk beyond. Maybe, John, you can go that far left. Uh, yeah, or the other, that left, too. Yeah, that's a good left. Um, you know, this pole that we find ourselves, or, or, or the fact that we, we have so much that we almost we have to create our own deserts. Like, these are interesting things, right? To combat some of the, the, the gods that are at play. Anyway, your thoughts, maybe about Colossians, maybe about FV360, maybe about Lent. Uh, where, where, where's your heart been taking you? Yes, back here, Heather. So my thing was uh, in the image. Hmm. But I took it a little bit differently this time. I said in the image, like I'm a part mm. of the image. So it's not just I'm made like somebody, mm. but I'm actually a part of that. Lovely. So it's, it's also understanding that um, we take Christ's life, mm. and you're not just emulating it, but you're also understanding that he's lived through the things that you're living through. Mm. So when you're in the image, you become part of the picture. You become part of the, the play. You're not just an observer. You're not just on the outside. But you actually become part of Christ. Yeah. So just as much as he's part of you, you become part of him. So if you think of it like a mirror, it can be just your reflection. But if you're in the image 
and Christ is there. Christ is also in the mirror. Hmm. So he's beside you. He's yeah. with you no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's gone on. He's right beside you. Lovely. And he holds your hand through it. And I'm just thinking of some people that are right now dealing with, with a potential loved one that's going to be passing. Mm -hmm. and, and I say, you'll never know the why. Yeah. But Christ didn't know all the whys either. He never had all the answers. He faithfully followed Christ in, the, in what Christ told him to do. So on the cross, he suffered. So we understand that there is suffering in the world, and we understand that people will suffer. There's no why to that. Mm -hmm. That is part of what we experience because that's part of our world. And we may not understand all the ins and outs of everything that goes on around us, mm -hmm. but that's where Christ holds your hand. Yeah. And that's where he brings you through those things. Yeah. Whether or not you get the answer to your why, yeah. he will always be there because that's his promise. Perfect. Thank you, Heather. That's great. So it's that notion of embracing brokenness, being attentive to mystery, and uh, this great image of being in Christ. Lovely. Thank you. Others, thoughts about Lent, thoughts about practice ways to break the sort of bond? Lois up here? Paul? Or John? Yes, oh, you, you, you know her. <laughs> Well, I loved what Elizabeth was saying about uh, St. Teresa and about small things, kind words, little actions, little habits, all tying in with that idea of that's one of the ways the elephant can get away from the pole is it's by little, little steps. Um, and I've really been intrigued by this word community in our why do we exist because I can be so much more holy on my own than when I'm with people. Yeah. And, and so I think that this is where it's actually in community where the, is where the mirror gets held up when I get annoyed with things and angry and I go, ah, you know what? Yeah. Why am I so ticked off by that thing? And usually it's a good opportunity to stop and reflect. So I guess that's really all I want to say. There yeah. was some quote Thank I read you. recently about, you know, you only really become a saint in community. Hmm. Um, even the desert fathers, they got interrupted <laughs> by people, but they understood that that was part of their call. So I've been thinking about that aspect of what does it really mean to be vulnerable? What is it, Paul's challenge there about, do I really let people speak into my life? I just want to say, I want that. I want people to not only say the nice things that, you know, I want the real things um, because I think that that's, that's essential to authentic community. Perfect. Thank you, Lois. Time for maybe one or two quick ones. Right over here, thank you. Yeah. I promised that I would not say anything today, and here I am talking. Okay. Um, but when I listen to the... Am I getting an echo? No. Okay, when I listen to the... Um, the thoughts of every, what everyone else has said, and I think about what I, what came to me profoundly last night when I was driving, um, was the being in Christ is like also being in love. And if you think about um, who we, I've said it before in terms of you know we shouldn't like each other, we should love each other. But when I think about what it's, um, when you think about your closest family member or members and what it really means to love them, um, that means that you accept the imperfections, you overlook the imperfections, uh, you talk about at times the imperfections, but most of the time you just talk about how much you love each other. 
And um, <clears throat> that's touching for me when I think about our family. Uh, having said that, the question for me last night was, what would it be like in this church if we loved each other? And you say that's a very foolish question because of course we love each other. Um, but I ask myself, do we love each other? Do we, do, if we did, we would know each other's names. <laughs> and I'm guilty of that. If we did, you too, Craig. I'm really bad at that. <laughs> if, if, we, if we did, we would un, be willing and happy to share each other's faults. That's not the issue. Uh, but what a powerful calling we have been called to love one another. And I think we skim over those words very yeah. easily. Yeah. And when we really think about uh, why Jesus died for us and that God so loved the world, I think we skim over those thoughts. Mm. And so he, you know, thank goodness he, he, he loved us good guys, right? Well, that's not it. Yeah. He loved us the way we were. He came to us when we were in our sins. Um, so there's so much there, but if we think about how God loved us and how we love each other in our families, and then if we thought how, how we can stop liking each other at church and being nice to each other, but rather loving each other, I think the power there is uh, beyond words. And of course, that extends to our friends and our neighbors, um, that when we love them, if we really loved them, we would, we would, our behaviors would be so different than being nice. Thanks. Our time goes quickly here, um, but these are the conversations that are just good for us as a body to have, right? Um, I don't know what the context will be. I mean, I'm still taken by these words, generosity, hospitality, and peacekeeping, right? Shalom bringing. What if Lent involves kind of engaging each other in these sort of conversations? Maybe it does mean hospitality. Perhaps that's in your home, but maybe it's going out for coffee and deliberately having some of these conversations with people that we don't often have them with. That would be a good gift to the body and probably fashion us into the image of God's dear son. Absolutely. When we're talking about, I don't, when we're talking about community, are we talking about community just amongst ourselves? Hmm. Because how hard, how difficult it is, it's much easier to be in a community within our church. Hmm. But are we talking about community like Jesus talked about community and being with those who suffer? Oh. And when we're talking about hospitality, are we talking about hospitality amongst ourselves? Or how many of us, maybe, probably, maybe just the Millers, I don't know, <laughs> but would have people from next door? <laughs> or, or people that who are not like wow. us. Wow. That's community. Yeah. That, it's not just community mm -hmm. within ourselves and yeah. in our church. And that is very important. And I don't think we could do without that. But yeah. it's not the community Jesus... It's not big enough. It's not big enough. It's not yes. big enough. For God who <laughs> loves the whole world, it's not big enough. Thank you very much for, for those comments, right?
right? Good, good, good additions. <laughs> Opening ourselves up. Um, it's a really nice transition to communion as well, which is, reminds us that yes, we are one body, but that God's grace and love and mercy was for all to help us be, go way bigger than just our little world. So maybe that's a Lenten practice that we're starting to think about as well, right? How do we bust the walls even as God busted the walls and has been in the wall-busting business now for millennia? As we prepare for communion, uh, we will do what we have been doing, which is where we'll pass the bread and the juice and hold it, and then we'll take it together. But perhaps in preparation, I could read from Colossians. Colossians 1 with you all. A reminder, this is the God who sent his son. This is the son who willingly gave himself for us. This is the spirit who unites us and bus walls. God has rescued us from the empire of darkness and transferred us into the empire of his beloved son, the one who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is Colossians 1. We look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything, no walls here, Above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does with a body. He was supreme in the beginning and as a prototype for all who rise from the dead, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God's finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that was poured down from the cross. And then he turns to us and he says, you yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble at every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put our lives together, whole and holy in his presence, you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the good news of the gospel, careful not to be distracted or diverted. 
with these words, we come to this table. Bread and juice, a body broken, a life given for you to call you to something way bigger than the pole you've been walking around. Let's pray. God, we are in love with your son. Jesus is the one who has put his stamp on our lives and we just can't get away from it. We try, we confess that to you now. We try, you know the many ways, the many things that are shaping us into things that are so unlike what you want us to be. But your son, Jesus, that is beauty. So God, we pray that with these emblems, you would again remind us that we are apprentices to Jesus. Use this moment in time. Use these gifts of bread and juice to continue your transformation of us. We give you thanks for giving us so freely your son. We give you thanks for this bread and this juice, for your son's body that was broken willingly for us, for his lifeblood that was shed to give us life. We take it into our bodies, and with it, we invite you again with your spirit to renew us and to call us deeper and deeper and deeper into life with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. As the ushers are coming forward, we'll pass this.